I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Um, we got Zach back in the house. Zach, it's so good to have yes. you back. We've missed you so here. deeply. It's a team effort, guys. A team effort. It is. Right? I'm it just is. glad you're alive. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was beginning to wonder. You weren't answering well. my phone text. <laughs> we, I haven't seen We you. were getting <laughs> messages only from your assistant, which that's when you're just one step away from no communication. Is that it? making you mad, too? Yeah. I thought, where are we at in our relationship where I send you a text and your assistant <laughs> texts me back? <laughs> what, what is that? We're no longer family. This is something. <laughs> Once we get assistant to assistant, there's no uh, more family there's, interaction. There's a little though. embellishment going on here, guys, just, for, <laughs> just so you all know. I return your text. Well, I call you promptly. <laughs> we had well because we, you did. You called I'll, me a few times. We worked out a few details on a few things, right? That's true. But I mean, what I'm saying is, the next time you text me, my assistant will get back to you as soon as possible, <laughs> just for funsies. <laughs> he owes you one stiff arm from the assistant. Oh uh, no! But Zach, we were giving you the benefit of the doubt. We know you're working really hard to get our movie. Uh, out there and uh, and everything you're working on. So we appreciate what you're doing. Well, that's that's me, Zach. If the movie comes out and everyone likes it, it is our movie. But if it's not, I'm going to say, I don't know what in the world. <laughs> we we turned it over to Zach. I tried to tell him. I don't him. know what he did. I'm nervous <laughs> about that, actually. I, mean, I, I thought about that. <laughs> I mean, where is that? we gave did, him a gold mine, you know. See, that's what I thought. I thought he was, I, I thought you were practicing your escape plan because I have not heard or seen you in weeks. And we've done at least. 12 podcasts without seeing you. And I thought, well, maybe to be fair, y'all have done, escape. you guys have, y'all piled in a lot of pot. We, we don't normally do this many in two week period. It's been, it's been a lot. We've been working ahead. Jace has a, well, y'all are blaming me for all this, but look, we all have, have things going on. We do. And the podcast, uh, which we all love, it's just, it's hard to get everybody together on, on a frequent basis. <laughs> Yeah, because you got a lot of moving parts here. The only one that's pretty stable is Dad. He's pretty much here. He's Dad's not. You're not. I'm. 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 I'm out on the wing from from what we do here, because people will. And I mean, when I say come from great distances, great distances, so they come down, and we ended up by saying, if you want to, for us to baptize you. Here's a few texts you can think about. Yep. And they've already heard the gospel. We've gone into all that. So yep. they understand the gospel. And and we just say, raise your hand. Right. And every week there's somebody that raises their hand, sometimes up to 15 or 20. Yeah, one. Uh, the to the July, water we go. There were 50, I think, July 2nd. So, so Dad does the Unashamed Bible class every Sunday at WFR, which is great. And you have that opportunity if folks want to yep. come. So we, a lot of you say you want to come down, and I always say, hey, come to WFR, 3201 North 7th Street, West Monroe. Uh, we'd love to have you. Yesterday I preached, and I had to come in, Zach, and apologize to Maddie, who's our producer, uh, who we love, and Maddie's from Arkansas. And yesterday, in a in an attempt to um, level someone that had made a joke about me being fat a few weeks ago from from my own pulpit, uh, so I I went after him, but I wound up throwing the state of Arkansas under the bus. So I had to apologize <laughs> to Maddie <laughs> with my joke. I had a like, kind of a joke bit about Arkansas yesterday. So yeah, I heard them. They yeah, seemed like they were a little cheesy. Yeah, but, uh, it was. Well, it was like preaching. But your sermon was great. So well, you were trying to find an up. icebreaker. It know. was an icebreaker. So, so when yeah. in doubt, make make front. Well, my my preaching of, partner is from Arkansas, and yeah. and we all love him. But let's face it, he's Arkansas through and through. So yeah. you know, sometimes you just gotta humble him. But anyway. We had fun with that. Of course, when I walked in, Dad said, Al, looks like you've been eating good. <laughs> that was his opening line to me <laughs> yesterday. Have, so you that gain, kind of, have you gained weight? Well, no, I've actually, I've kind of just been the same, but it's just not going anywhere. But Well, I think that keeps everybody with thick skin. That's exactly You can't right. laugh at yourself. Well, and I heard that they were throwing me under the bus on the other podcast, on our sister podcast, on Duck High Room, about my weight as well. And it was John David who lost some weight back during COVID because he, he got real sick. And uh, 
I call those guys F squared. They're former fatties. And they're yeah, the they worst are. about making fun of other people. Once you've lost your weight, then you just go around throwing everybody else on the bus. So which, next which time they lost like, by getting sick, it, they, they didn't even lose. Well, that's it what through. I'm saying. You, yeah, you, your diet was a COVID diet. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, those guys. So I'm next time I go on there, I got some things to say to those people too. Well, I had an interesting day yesterday, so I I finally had a day off because it was Sunday, and uh, I decided to go check out the new fish plan for Willie's Pond. But the problem was... If they restocked it? Oh, yeah, they restocked it. And I heard, you know, everybody there, that's the, that's what everybody wants to talk about. That's the scuttlebutt, you know. <laughs> what is the new plan and what happened to all the fish? You know, because Willie, he's, he's given to tangents, yeah. as we all know. So he was going to have a trophy bass lake. Uh, speaking of of weight problems, here, here, that was the main factor on the transition. I, I just found this out today because I thought I had participated in a miracle yesterday, but now I'm starting to question. Well, you saying what happened to the fish? The word, I, the word, the scuttlebutt I got in the neighborhood was that you and Jeremy Shackelford caught all the fish. Yeah, that, that's what and ate them. That's, that's why I'm so. That's why I'm bringing this up. <laughs> So, because when in doubt, when they don't know what happened, blame Jace. He caught all the fish. And Phil, how many times have you heard people say that about the Washtenaw River out here? Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, there's no more fish. You never catch them Somebody caught all the fish. Well, I know who, Phil and Jace Robertson. So then I move uptown. You're so good you caught all the fish out of the river. Willie puts a thousand white perch in in his pond, and, and he makes it this giant lake. And when they go down and can't catch any fish, they say, well, here's the problem. Jace caught them all. That's what they think. Not at all. So there was another working theory that when they tried to make it a a trophy bass pond, I'm like, I got an idea on where your pan fish went to. These 13-pound bass that you have. Ate them all. Yeah, what are they eating? Because, I mean, I'm catching 10- and 11-pound bass on a jig, and I'm, I'll am i take wow. a picture with them, and I'll throw them back. Yeah, nobody's. And I caught one that had a pound crappie in his mouth. Yep. I had visual evidence of that's what was happening. So they're off that. They're off the. So you've now straightened out that rumor. So the reason I thought it was a miracle, because yesterday when I went down there, I was under the impression that they drained the pond and then rest- restocked it. But, of course, I found out today that wasn't exactly true. It did fall down just due to not raining for a while, yeah. a couple months ago. And uh, and then they shocked the fish to see what they had in there, you know, but they didn't see any big crappie. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know if they die, but I didn't catch them all. I just caught enough to eat for about a year. But, I mean, two or three at a time. You didn't even put a dent in it. No, that's what I said. They're so, there. so when you know it, I go down there yesterday. The only time I've had time to go check out because they put fifteen hundred new crappie in there, and so I wanted to see what size they were. So I go down there. Well, they're having a party when you know it at Willie's outside. So of course I notice he's 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 looking at. Me. <laughs> From across the way, it's hard for me to set this up. He's probably know. got a telescope in his house. He's oh a, yeah, he's, I'm sure he's, that gl- they he's were... glaring at you. He's glaring at you. Oh, they yeah. were binoculars, and they're all like, "Well, there he, there goes. he goes. He got wind of the new crop. <laughs> <laughs> he's going down there." <laughs> so it was actually great because I w- every time I would catch a bass, I caught ten bass, and I was real noticeable since they're 300 yards away. I guess how far are they away? 200 yards? Yeah, a couple hundred yards. So I would like take the bass and put it, I'm on the bridge of the pond, <laughs> and I would like throw it out in the middle of the pond. It's like every time I caught one, because that's all I was catching was bass, I was like, look, catch and release. It's not me. Watch this. I was over-dramatizing everything, you know. So about 30 minutes into this, and the 10th bass I caught, because where I normally catch the crappie, all I was catching was bass. And then all of a sudden... Well, I'm like, I thought it was a huge bass. No, it's a, I would say a two and a half pound crappie. Wow. And I'm like, this is not what they just put in here. Uh-huh. No. And, and it didn't, uh, the ones they had had before had a, like a black line 
on their back from, yeah. and they all were about that that size, you know, from the last time I was casting. Well, this one didn't even have that, and so I'm like, I thought they drained this thing. Where it's a miracle. This is a miraculous cat. I have caught a two and a half pound crappie where there shouldn't be a two and a half pound crappie, according to all this intel. So now I didn't at this point. Now I'm like, ooh, can they tell? After all the bass, because I'm not throwing this back. This is <laughs> so I like got real made myself as small as possible, <laughs> and I eased over to the little ice chest that I had in the bushes, and I slipped him in there. <laughs> and so then I went back, and then I caught two of their their new, new ones, their new ones, which were not quite big enough to eat. You know, I won't go back there. Now I kept them and I ate them, but. <laughs> <laughs> no. I made a mess. Uh, not, not big enough right. for the average person, but you had, you were able size. to get meat off of it. Well, what happened was, yeah, they're they're little, just they're just kind of scrawny. They grow quick. But the first one I called of the new regime, because I told Missy, I was like, look, if anybody asked you if they saw me yesterday, <laughs> on the second one I caught, he swallowed it, and so he was going to die anyway. Yep. So what are you going to do? Yeah, you got to eat him. He was yep. dying. Well, now the third one I caught was a little smaller. Well, at this point, but I've already have, got now two. Now you got to have a mess. <laughs> I got to have three to eat for the wife, you know. So I'm trying to make this night as special as possible. So we got to go. have some for her. So that's my story. But it turns out it wasn't a miracle because they didn't technically drain the pond. So you just it, caught there, one. It, the, the fact is, the reason I'm telling you this I didn't catch all the fish. <laughs> not at all. I just caught a two and a half pound crappie. Maybe you're not catching them because you don't know how to fish. <laughs> <laughs> so Jace is not only denying the allegations, he's denying the alligator is is his point. Well, so. I wish I would have known that. <laughs> but it you say, well, what spiritual, you know, we try to make some kind of spiritual application to this. And the spiritual application is there has to be some truth in here. You know, rumors start swirling and everybody's emotional about all this and stories are going everywhere and accusations, who caught all the fish. The bottom line is if you don't fish a lot, you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm trying to be a man of the fish and get the pulse of what's happening yeah. down there. A man of you the You can hear all kinds of stories in subdivisions. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why you don't live in subdivisions, right? That is part of it. <laughs> you can always count on dad. That's why I don't do that. All right, we're oh, going to take a break. Uh, when we come back from our break, not only do we have Zach back, and welcome back, Zach, but also our old friend Larry Bowles is in from Oklahoma, and he was doing some teaching this week at the church, and so he's going to join in on our conversation in, uh, in Luke chapter 9. So we're super excited about having everybody here today. It's going to be a great podcast, so buckle up. Uh, we'll see you after the break. I know we got a lot of business owners out there, probably more small business uh, than anything, and, and we certainly uh, used to run a business. We don't really aren't involved anymore in the day-to-day -day of that lifestyle, but we understand what it's like. Uh, so if you're out there, you got a business, uh, you're earning revenue, uh, we want to tell you about a group called NetSuite by Oracle. They just rolled out uh, one of the best offers that we've seen uh, for the first time in their 25 years uh, as the number one uh, financial cloud system. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. So that's a pretty good deal. You get to not pay for it for six months and get the benefit. Uh, no interest, no payment, six months. And you can take advantage of that special financing offer today. Um, they are number one because they give your business everything you need, everything in real time, all in one place. Uh, they're going to reduce your manual processes. They're going to boost your efficiency. They build forecasts. They're also going to increase productivity across every department, uh, depending on the size of your business. So uh, 36,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite. They're going to help you gain visibility and control over your financials, your inventory, your HR, your e-commerce, everything you need in your business. If you've been sizing up NetSuite to make the switch, then now is the time. This deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com slash fill, N-E-T, 
suite.com, netsuite.com slash Phil. Get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm with your business. netsuite.com slash Phil. So welcome back. We've got uh, Larry Bowles. Welcome back. Thank you. First time you and I have been in the studio together in forever. In a little while. Usually you're here preaching, which means I'm in Alabama. Right. And so you're usually sitting here with these two guys. And I'm telling you, things go a lot tighter when you're in the room. I'm just going to bear witness. I'm so so appreciative (laughs) that someone appreciates that. That long distance thing sometimes just a gift to this podcast. That is true. So, yeah. but Larry's been in town teaching uh, our staff, our church staff, uh, some some great material I heard uh, about uh, prophecies of the Old Testament. Yeah, just understanding messianic. You know, Larry is a, a whiz because I'm. Jace calls me the Old Testament expert on our podcast just because I've read it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you, you, I've actually read Al, it. <laughs> look, you have all these that you remember stuff like little details, right? that I just would view as a complete waste of time on most things <laughs> other than the Bible. Right. So it comes in handy. I do, I we do get... have a, we- a deep wealth of information that has no value. He's well, right about that, that. That's right. So I But tend... my biblical Old Testament does well for me in this context. Yeah. But Larry, what I was going to say was, is Larry really is, because his mission work really depends on being able to show Jesus from the Old Testament. Yeah, and I, I didn't really choose that, but I got forced into that because right. people that come out of Islam don't accept anything in the New Testament. Correct. They think it's all been corrupted, but what they do hold dear and and believe fully is the Old Testament scriptures, especially the Psalms and all of that. So yeah. Messianic hmm. prophecy is where we begin. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. I was somewhere where I had to do that. I think when I went to Israel. Because I was talking to our guide, and every time I would say something from the New Testament, he's like, "No, no, no, that's, you can't use that." So I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> well, it's no—it's not a problem because everything in the New Testament has has a All prophetic right. voice in the Old Testament. Well, by the end of the trip, yeah. I figured it out. Yeah. I started, <laughs> yeah, I started taking the quotes. Oh. Same yeah. questions applied. Yeah. So yeah. when Jesus says, "All of this is about me." You know, I mean, and in yeah. Luke twenty four, it's beginning with Moses and all the law and all the prophets, and he explains every every scripture that pertained to him in a seven mile stretch of road on that road to Emmaus. I would have loved to have heard that sermon, man. Yeah. Wow. And and as you pointed out, we were talking on the way out here. It ended with a meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. A little kingdom meal at the end of that, yeah. that session. Broke, broke the bread. Broke the bread. Resurrection afternoon. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> I, I think the whole point of all that, post-resurrection, because I've been asked that. When we were in, where was that in Luke 5? You know, where you mentioned this yesterday in your sermon, when they had the miraculous catch, yeah, and mm-hmm. Peter said, go away from me, I'm a, I'm simple, a simple man. man. You, yeah. you, that was kind of mm-hmm. your point. Yeah. Well, oh. in our podcast... We talked about when that happened in John 20. Same scenario, yeah. except Jesus had been raised from the dead. Yeah. So to me, I took that to mean this is a picture of what we can experience forever. Yeah. I mean, why why go through the meal? And the, I mean, he didn't have to eat fish to stay alive. He just proved that. But he ate with his disciples Yeah. Right. post-resurrection. Yeah. Now, there's something about that that really just cuts me to the heart. I yeah. mean, I because I want that understanding of how we can fellowship and live together forever. Yeah. So it's a beautiful picture. And I think it was a picture of restoration and communion together in a meal. And yeah. I made the point yesterday in my sermon, kind of as a warning, because I was talking about the 12 disciples, and I was kind of you know painting a picture with those guys, that Judas... As bad as he was and what he did, he he had an opportunity. When he chunked that oh, those 30 pieces goodness. back in yeah. there, he had an opportunity yeah. to say, you know what, I blew it. He was standing at a crossroads. He was. Right Let me go yeah. fall at the feet of Jesus, cause, and Jesus would have forgiven him. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Instead, he chose to turn away from restoration, and it cost him his life by his own hand. So, I mean, just it, it is a warning, really, mm-hmm. about 
the evil one if you give in. Yeah. And and our and our response to failure in our own frailty and weakness. I mean, understanding yeah. that we we absolutely are in need of a savior every single day, not just at one point in our life. Yeah. And I've said this before that we think that we're going to have one conversion experience in our life, and that's not true at all. We're going to be converted a thousand different times in a thousand different ways. Which and, really leads us yeah. back perfectly to this text because. Whenever Peter makes the confession, you remember then Jesus gives them a picture of what that looks like. And part of that is a denial of yourself mm-hmm. in a daily, he says, pick up, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. And then Deny pick yourself. Up your take, cross. That's right. Yeah. So the idea is that that's an action that's not a one-time action. That's an every day. Every single day. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, when we're talking about the messianic prophetic voice in Scripture and what we're about to discuss here in the Transfiguration are these types and foreshadows. Yeah. And we see Moses and Elijah show up, and there's, man, this is just cosmic stuff going on in this moment. But the idea that manna is one of these things that is meant to preach and teach dependency. And so every day I have to go gather him because the Jesus I had yesterday is worms and maggots today. I can't right. store it up. I've got to be dependent on him all, all the time, every day. Yeah. You know, I made the point, I mean, you're, you're all, you are a couple of chapters behind us in your sermons. Right. But So he chose the 12, then he sends them out here in chapter 9. I think I made the point that I feel like the first eight and a half chapters are kind of highlighting who Jesus is. This, this is, he is the coming king. He right, is right. the son of God in human form. And then it's like, it's a transition on, I mean, that's still going to be a common theme all the way to the cross and the resurrection, of course. But then it's like kind of how his disciples responded to that and how that was received and what this means. And right. So that's well, so much of his teaching from this point going forward, and especially leading up to Jerusalem, is a, there are a lot of tests involved for them. Including cinema. I mean, it's like, okay, are you getting this? Because now the time is drawing nigh that he's not going to be there anymore. Right. And he's going to turn the whole thing over. John recorded, they still, I mean, this is looking at the empty tomb, seeing the raps. There's Peter, there's John. They still did not understand Mm. from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Yeah. As many times as he said, sit down here a minute. Yeah. Let me tell you what I'm fixing to do here. Right. Going into Jerusalem. And everything that's been written about me is going to be fulfilled. Everything. It was a hard sell. They just, it was. They just had a different... And I think what's hard for us to wrap our minds around it is because they had seen him raise people from the dead mm-hmm. yeah. multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, what? Well, but, I mean, in I fairness... I think I would have said... You can't kill him. Well, we would like to think that, but at the same time, they were scared. They weren't sure exactly what he was supposed to be doing yeah. as the new king. And yeah. so I think it was just a lot of doubts. I, I love in that resurrection moment, he, he opens their minds so that they can understand the scriptures. And that's, right. that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. And there are a lot of things that they did not understand, uh, even when they saw him in, in that resurrection, but... After the Holy Spirit comes, then man, okay. So now I have the capacity to understand all of these Old Testament yep. scriptures. Yeah, the resurrection too. I mean, it's one thing to to look at a guy that's raising people from the dead, but then the, when that when the dead raiser says, "I have to also die and be resurrected," that's just mm-hmm. a different. It, it's a whole other level of. I mean, it it just seems like defeat. You know, not the resurrection part, but when you think about your miracle giver. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to go to the cross. I mean, that is that yeah. had to. I mean, that they they had no concept of that. I mean, their yeah. concept of the Messiah and the kingdom. I mean, Larry, you probably speak of that. Their 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 perspective from an Old Testament prophecy. When they read these prophecies, they they were. I would think that it, it seems like they thought this was going to be a conquering kingdom from the beginning that wouldn't ever go through any type of suffering because exactly. it was like this was the time. Exactly. When, when death comes to anybody. Everybody that's either seeing it or it happens to, you don't you don't you don't see them come back. Right. I mean, everything you see die stays dead. Yeah. Until Jesus yeah. Christ rolled in. And you know, Luke twenty four, road to a road to Emmaus. There's Cleopas, you know, and he's like, well, what you know? Tell me what you guys are thinking. He's saying, well, we were hoping that 
this guy was the one. Yeah. It was going to redeem Israel, and they're just in utter defeat because now, you know, he's gone to the cross, and they've seen him put into a tomb, and and this whole third day thing that Jesus tells them three times, just in you know, in the Gospel of Mark, just yep. right in a row, yep. they can't they can't wrap their minds around that idea. I made the point in the last podcast. Something I had never noticed before this uh, this Jude uh, was it the Galilean what the one that's mentioned in Acts chapter five by Gamaliel mm. it was Judas the Galilean or James the Galilean but anyway he was the guy that was led a revolt mm-hmm. and I didn't realize until I read that again that that revolt would have happened when Jesus was a young boy about ten or eleven years old okay and when I read the particulars that they had crucified two thousand rebels. Four miles from Nazareth. Wow. I mean, it really struck me that the little boy Jesus saw his future up mm. close and personal. Wow. And, you know, it just, it really hit me in that. But, you know, Gamaliel's argument was we've had these people rise up before and you cut the head off the snake and then the whole thing dies away. Right. And so he was making the point because they were trying to figure out what to do with Peter and John. Right. He was like, look, let's don't do anything. Yeah. Let's just let it play out. We've already cut the head off the snake. Right. Was his mindset. Mm-hmm. Of course, what they didn't realize is there was no snake involved. What they had done was what was supposed to happen, and the Savior of the world had now given his life, and this movement was about to take off. But in his defense, he did say, if this is from God, we can't stop it. But, right. But if if that, that hadn't happened within a time frame, if people hadn't written that down, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if they had not written down what they saw and what they heard, yeah. mm-hmm. I would have a tough time believing it. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, everybody had a tough time. The writers had a tough time with it. Yeah. But if someone listening, what if they hadn't had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John written down and which is why we do, and mm. and same one that wrote Acts. Wrote, it would it would it would really thwart what happened. That's exactly right. So, Jace, I, I want to get back into the Transfiguration because we did we you and Dad and I talked about it in the podcast, but we got Zach and Larry here, so I want to get their take on it too. But you told me yesterday uh, at at the church building that you had a epiphany. <laughs> so we're going to leave with your epiphany, and then we'll just we'll play off of <laughs> okay. that. Well, just to bring y'all up to speed. So we had, <laughs> look, when Jesus sent out the 12, we talked about that. Then we had this feeding of the 5,000, which from everyone thinking that this this king who was going to lift the oppression from a Jewish perspective, if you were looking at this from a cliff somewhere, you know, like Willie was watching me catch fish yesterday, you would have thought, oh, they're assembling the army. You know, mm-hmm. here's this guy, Jesus, 5,000 men, and he's giving them training, and you're trying to figure out if there's weapons involved. And to your point, you said this before, even the ones being fed, according to John, thought they were forming an army because mm-hmm. they wanted to make him king by force. So yeah, like, that John 6, yeah. 6, 6 15 was a was a key passage to that. And I told him about a sermon I heard from uh, Keller, where uh, it was it was about the makings of a revolution, but it wasn't like the Beatles, you know, you say you want a revolution. Well, this is something... Easy listening. Whatever we thought was going to happen is, is not happening. Because what does he do? He gives them teaching and he gives them bread. Right. And there was a symbol. You, you mentioned that about, you know, going back to the manna God providing mm-hmm. this, this bread. Cause later on he would say, you know, I am the bread of life right. and he was broken. This is the I am moment out of that. Yeah. yeah. So we, we could be saved. It just, it's not an earthly kingdom where you're killing everybody so you can rule. It's like, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And so he asked the question and, and I know I'm getting to the transfiguration, but when he asked Peter, about who do people say he is, mm. well, they start bringing up, you know, these prophets. Mm. And it's like once you get to the transfiguration, you're like, oh, wait a minute here. He's he's a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. Right. And the reason uh, you see that is because just when you look at his appearance in verse 29, it says, as he was, a, as he was praying, which 
when you think about that this, what's fixing to happen is happening as a result of prayer. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed mm. and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Mm. Well, we read this and spent two podcasts talking about various things, but we didn't talk about that flash of lightning. No. So I looked this up. I'm going to give you some, some fun facts about how we're trying to figure out Luke's point here. But when you think about lightning, every day on Earth, I was going to see if y'all could guess this. How many lightning strikes oh, are there man, a day? A lot. You, you want to take a guess? A lot, a lot, I would a lot. say. Somebody's figured out an average. I would say like half a million. I'd say north of that. Three million. Wow. wow. Three million. Three million. And so a lightning strike is the equivalent to 100 million light bulbs. And the flash is four times that. Yeah. Four times a million light bulbs in one flash. No, a hundred million light bulbs. A hundred million light bulbs. Yeah, you remember the uh, Christmas vacation, you know, the lights? Yeah. Oh, Clark, you know, Clark the, Griswold. The yeah. And the whole town yeah. goes dark. And the nuclear auxiliary. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Times that, times 400 million. That's so right. I actually learned that lightning is actually four times hotter. A flash of lightning is four times hotter than the sun. Wow. That's concentrated energy right there, man. Wow. So also, if you, the speed of lightning, 270,000 miles per hour, so and the flash is quicker than that. So if you were going at the speed of lightning, you'd be at the moon in 55 minutes. Wow. That's pretty good. So you think, what were they seeing well, the only thing they could come up with is a flash of lightning. Yeah. So whatever this energy was. And just uh, a few weeks ago, we had a bad lightning storm in Gulf Shores, and one struck, and it was, you know how you count? To, it, yeah. It wasn't even a count. Yeah. It, it was like, it was like that close. all in the same but Look, time. it was so bright, I turned away. Yeah. I turned my head. Yeah. When it was that close. So for a second, Jace, and, and look, when I closed my eyes, I just saw white for yeah. a bit. It was right there. I had one hit probably 30 feet from me. I was under a porch roof, and it was a gravel driveway, and I saw it hit, and rocks flew wow. up. And I just, it was, it all happened in an instant. I, You know, you never knew. If it hit you, you would never know it. That's right. Yeah, And it's just all instantaneous. And, uh, man, I just remember... I don't remember hearing the sound, but I remember I could not see for a minute. You know, yeah, it was just like a right. flash bulb. Yeah. Well, the reason the reason I'm bringing this up. Why is, did he put that there? Well, that's what I'm fixed to make yeah. point here. So when you look at, you know, they're asking, is this Elijah or is this uh, who are the other people? John the Baptist or? So when you look back and some see other the, prophet. some yeah. other prophet, some other prophet, you see the imagery here. You got a you know a cloud's going to move in, and and when you go back to the Old Testament. And remember that Elijah, you know, he fed a hundred people. Uh, was it a thousand or a hundred? We read yeah. that uh, when we were back. Was it there. the prophets when he was it the, the ravens yeah, were feeding yeah, yeah. him? Yeah, and he, so he Obadiah and some of the prophets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, which is why there's always like Elijah's come back, you know, and they're like, "Well, no, that's John the Baptist," or maybe it's like Moses. But you remember what happened on Mount Sinai? <clears throat> You're seeing the same type of imagery, mm -hmm. but the difference is. You know, back then, you were not allowed to see the face of God. And you remember that? Is it Exodus 33? Mm -hmm. uh, Y'all are the Old Testament wizards. Yeah. But, you know, he's like, well, you can see my back as I go. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to put my hand behind you and hide you in the cleft, the of, the cleft rock. of the rock. While I pass by, Which you can see my backside. Yeah, so, so let's take another point. So my point is... Here's these disciples in this moment, and here's two guys that hadn't been here for however long. Mm -hmm. They seem like they're back in working order. Right. And you have this imagery, of, you know, using a flash of lightning, and I just gave you a few fun facts about the power. And none of these people are dying. 
while seeing this. Right. And there seems to represent, you know, if Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God, you're, you're seeing something now that there's a way maybe to be in the presence of God without just incinerate, <laughs> incinerating. Mm. Of course, then you, I think that's why Peter brought up, though, do we, do we need some shelters? Mm. <laughs> because... Yeah. In the Old Testament, and when this imagery was happening, you better, there's a system that we have to go right. through for the presence of God. And so I, w- yeah. I think he was probably thinking of his own protection. So mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to bring that out and let y'all discuss it. Y'all are smarter than me. About the Old <laughs> well, Testament. They, you, you think about the, uh, the, the structures they had in the Old Testament were, well, first the garden, but then the, the tabernacle and then the temple. And how did God's presence manifest in those places? Mm. A cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so a cloud. So you get the transfiguration. Um, right. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid uh, as, they entered the, uh, as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I'm, I've chosen. Uh, listen mm. to him. And I mean, I, I, when I read that this morning, I was thinking, um, I heard. I can't remember which theologian said this, but they said they interpreted the entire Bible through the lens of atonement, pretty much mm-hmm. their whole life. And and in, in recent years, they said, uh, uh, you know, I learned to interpret the Bible through the lens of God's presence being primary, mm-hmm. and and God's you know, atonement of sin is is a means to an end, but it's not the end itself. The end is being in the presence in of the this, presence of God. That's what the, the presence of God was all about. You know, in the holy of holies and. Everything else, the curtain is now. God is no longer living in a box. He's, he's out. You know. Yeah. And, so I, and, I agree. Uh, I think Jason's on. I, th- I agree with you. I think it's like this, and I think it's what we're looking for in our personal lives too. Where what you're ultimately looking for is presence, intimacy, availability. Like that's what. Like that's yeah. the thing that we we're looking yeah. for. So I, because the I mean, what what is eternal torment? It's separation, eternal separation from God. Uh, oh, and it's point. the antithesis yeah. of that idea, not being in his presence. And that's, you know, when you get to Matthew 25, and here's Jesus, the Son of Man, sitting on his glorious throne, uh, he's going to separate, you know, like sheep from goats. Well, that's what, a, that's what a king does. He either allows you into his presence or he sends you out of his presence. And that's, that's kind of that. And I hadn't really thought about this, the idea of the structures, too. But if you think about it, Moses, even post-mountain, because he was glowing when he came down just from having mm-hmm. God come so close to him. Yeah. But, you know, when he would communicate, he had what he called a tent of meeting. Right. So it was a tent away from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And the only other person that was allowed in there was Joshua. Yeah. And that cloud would come down and envelop the tent. Moses would have a powwow with the Almighty in some form. Right. He would come out, and then Paul would talk about it in, what, Second Corinthians 3. Mm-hmm. When he came out, he was glowing, and he put yeah. the veil on there to show that because the glowing was, was fading. Right. And he didn't want the people to feel like God wasn't with them. Right. And so it was an interesting thing that Paul talks about. But the idea of a structure in the presence of God, even then, was the idea. It was separate. Exactly. So that's but a then good Then he said, now, you know, with unveiled faces. Yeah. Correct. Reflect. So reflect it's like them. Jesus yeah. made this— I mean, to me, this is a moment where God came down and he recognized him first at his baptism. He said, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased. Well, now he's like, this is my son whom I love. I'm pleased. Mm -hmm. Listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. So when you read Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 2 or just, you know, the whole book, you you start to realize Jesus is better than Moses. I mean, if this was – and it gets back to that word we used – when talking about his departure here, and I don't know if y'all are familiar with this, you probably are, but I made a huge deal about this. In verse 30 and 31, when it says, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus, they spoke about his departure. And that Greek word is only used three times, and it's Exodus. Exodus, his ascension. Yeah, so Exodus, but when you think about the meaning, if you look at it in the book of Exodus, it was a, they're locked up, mm-hmm. and they're liberated. Brought out so, from darkness so, into light. Yeah, so, you know, I read an article by uh, this guy named McLaren, who he's been dead 100 years, but it was fascinating because he was like, the word Exodus is, it's you're leaving, but you're also arriving. 
And so when you look at what Peter said, which is the second place that it's mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, when Peter said in 2 Peter, Peter 1, yeah, well, he's referring to the transfiguration, but look, he uses the same word exodus right. when it says in verse 15, well, in 14, he's talking about his, his own death because he was, he was old when he wrote this. He said, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my, well, here's it is again. Exodus. Exodus. Mm-hmm. You will always be able to remember these things. And then he says, we didn't follow cleverly invented stories right. when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And we heard the voice. Yep. So, and, and he goes into the transfiguration. It's like as he was writing when he used that word Exodus, mm-hmm. it took him back to the transfiguration, yeah. which is very cool. And he's also validating that we didn't make this up. Right. I might have been sleepy. Right. And my eyes are blurry, but I saw <laughs> yeah. a he flash. Left the heart, I, saw. <laughs> I saw a flash of lightning. And, and he goes on from there to explain that this is the voice of prophecy that yeah. has been played out yeah. in front of him. And it is the spirit of Christ in these prophets carrying them along. And you've heard me talk about you know, yeah. Jesus quoting Isaiah, and he's not. He's quoting himself, quoting Isaiah, quoting himself. Right. And so, like <laughs> I said point. at the beginning of this, there's so much cosmically going on in this transfiguration. And it's, it's hard to lay out. But, I mean, the, the very fact that you've got Moses— and you've got Elijah, and you've got Jesus. Uh, let's let's start with the three shelters. Uh, and so here's Peter comes to out of the stupor, <laughs> yeah. and is like, "Hey, I've got an idea." And that's our boy Peter, man. I mean, he's impetuous. He's ready to rock and roll. And he's like, "How about we put up three shelters for you guys?" And he's thinking, "Man, we're gonna do like the Disney World of Jesus right here. This is gonna be everybody's gonna come." And in mid sentence, God does kind of what He does, you know, when He fills the temple with His glory, and everything stops, and or or you know. Does it with Job? It's like Job, shut up! I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk for a Listen minute. Listen to me. And he just stops him in that incapacity, and it's that presence, that cloud that covers him, and it's almost because I mean Peter's looking at this as like, okay, here's the law, here's the prophets, and there's grace all in one place. This is total religion. This is everything. And God stops him right there and says, no, 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 that's my son. Those two guys yeah. are not equal to him. Yeah, this is this is not going to be. These are not three he, equal. He, he's things the that fulfillment. You're at. He's the fulfillment of the law, and he's yeah. the fulfillment of the. That's why in a it's person. Moses and yeah. Elijah. That's it. Oh, okay, yeah. not about that. And so yeah. these are types. Yeah. And so when you talk about who was Moses, well, I mean, this goes back to uh, uh, Deuteronomy 18. Moses says, "The Lord Himself will raise up a prophet." like me, for you, out of your own, this is messianic prophecy. And Mm -hmm. think about all the things that Moses was. He was a prophet. He was a priest. He was a king. He was, you know, the anointed one, a mediator uh, of of God's chosen, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And then all of the parallels that, you know, he was, Moses was tried to wipe, being wiped out by a king and the killing of the children. And Jesus had that same parallel. And you think about the, uh, Jesus, right in here, sending out the 12 and then the 72, and you think of a Numbers 11 when Jesus uh, appointed, I mean, when Moses appointed seven elders in that tent of meeting, mm-hmm. and God said, I'm going to take some of the spirit that's on you, and I'm going to put it on them, and we see Jesus enabling his disciples to go out, and right before this, you know, to heal and and have the same powers uh, that he does, some of, anyway. Uh, and all of these parallels are just so much going on right we here. We made the, uh, let's take our last break. We made the point, Larry, that even down to a little thing like Jesus breaking down the crowd that he fed mm-hmm. into groups of 50 was similar to what Moses did in Exodus 18 right. with the word from his father-in-law that, you know, you're killing yourself trying to lead these people. And so he said, break them down into smaller bites right all the way down to groups of 50 yeah and it was the same deal so those archetypes are all the way through right and the same thing on on you know here's uh elijah and um 
I mean, wow, uh, just it, it's so amazing because right before this, they're talking about John the Baptist. And Jesus is saying, yeah, Elijah did have to come again. And, and who is Elijah in this? Well, you look at Malachi chapter 4, mm-hmm. the last word of prophecy out of the Old Testament before this 400-year silence, this intertestamental period, are, are that, that this voice of prophecy is going to be broken and when you're into Second Kings one, and we were talking about the fireballs coming down. Oh yeah, I read it. We read it on a podcast. Yeah. I think it should be a movie. Oh, I think so too. <laughs> the, but look know, at the verse eight. The captain and the fifty men. The captain and the fifty men. That next captain said, "Wait a minute." Yeah. There's fireballs raining down. Okay. <laughs> Show some humility, <laughs> right? Go and ahead. so, <laughs> and so, when the king says, "Who is this guy telling me that you know I'm going to die here on this bed?" Yeah. And they said, "Well, his name is Elijah." And they describe his physical appearance. He is wearing camel skin clothes and wearing a leather belt. Yeah. This is Elijah. Yeah. And so here the voice of prophecy is broken and this one, you know, calling out in the wilderness, wearing camel skins and a leather belt and eating locusts. And the whole Judean countryside is coming out to hear him. Not because of necessarily what he's saying, it's because of who he is, and they recognize this voice of prophecy has been broken, yep. and they're going to hear it. That's exactly. And right. so, yeah, yeah it's 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 a, an amazing fulfillment of everything Jesus said on that road to Emmaus, beginning with Moses and yeah. all the prophets, every oh, scripture concerning and, himself. And what and was and what was his prophet? What was his prophecy? It was that there's somebody coming whose sandals. I'm not fit to wear. Exactly. You know? exactly. He, he, yeah, I must become less and he must become greater. So yeah. I wanted to finish the third place that word is used, this Exodus. It's in Hebrews 11 and verse 23. So it says, By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus mm-hmm. of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. And you say, why are you making such a big deal about this? So... The reason Hebrews chapter 2 talks about uh, Jesus is greater than, I mean, uh, chapter 3 in Hebrews talks about Jesus is greater than Moses. Mm -hmm. And all the way back to chapter 1, when it says, to your point, Bowles, when he says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. I mean, that Second Kings 1 was... Quite interesting. Right. And we didn't know that was foreshadowing Christ. Exactly. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, which is why I came up with all the lightning Mm -hmm. fun facts, because that's how they, I mean, this is, talking about God's glory. Yeah. Whatever they saw was almost too much for the mind to comprehend, but they could see him and not die. Yeah. And so even though in a spiritual way, he just said, I'm going to show you the plan, which is I'm going to suffer, die, be killed. You know, there's various ways he describes that as he goes on. And then I'll. I'll come up three days later. And then it's like, and then you basically are going to follow that same pattern. Mm-hmm. Whoever wants to save his life, will lose it. I mean, he showed us yeah. the way to victory, and it was the exact opposite of the way to victory in worldly kingdoms. Right. It, it was all other kingdoms are will kill you. You either assimilate or die. Right. And here is Jesus saying, I'm going to be broken for you. You're yeah. going to be broken Right. For others, and this is the way it's yeah. going. So um, I make this whole connection, though, with that word Exodus, because when he said in Luke, right above the transfiguration, you know, which led to Luke sharing this moment, he said, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Well, he just had said that, that Jesus would die you know, he said, I'm going to die, suffer many things in verse 22, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, teachers of law, and I'm going to be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. And my point is, the reason Jesus is better than Moses is that, yes, the Israelites were liberated. They were freed. But what Jesus is bringing is a cosmic liberation. That's right. You're liberated from sin and death. 
through what I'm fixed to accomplish. Unfortunately, the disciples had a hard time grasping that. Because right. you, you don't get a couple paragraphs, and all of a sudden they go to Samaria, and they say, hey, these people don't believe what we're saying about right. you. So we got Elijah. I saw him. Let's yeah. get the fireballs. Let's nuke them. Nuke them now. Yeah. yeah. So, which is how they're looking at it. They're still looking at it in a physical way. Hey, they missed the kingdom of God. They did not understand. Even the whole, we went through Mark, the whole thing about the temple all the way through Mark, you know, and and then this part here about this cloud, this presence of God dwelling in a temple. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to institute a new temple and it's us, it's our bodies. And we are the new temple. And when I read that verse, when he says, Basically, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. I could not help but think of John 16 Mm. when Jesus said, it's good that I leave because if I don't leave, he's not coming. But when he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. Like, In other words, listen to him, the Holy Spirit. He's going to take what's mine and make it known to you. So there's like this full summation. He's going to open your mind so you can understand the scriptures. Exactly exactly right. He's going to take what's mine. He's going to make it known. You mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, Larry, about the role of the Holy Spirit. I mean, but when's the last time you said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased? The Holy Spirit was present. God, the Father was present. The Spirit was present. The Son was present. And I think even in here, when we talk about this revelation of understanding the Old Testament prophecy, not not just that, but everything that is Jesus's, he says, the Spirit will make that known to to the believer that he indwells. Absolutely. It's his power. So we're out of time. Um, That went fast. It but, did. Uh, <laughs> and, and before we go to overtime, I have one factoid about lightning that I'm going to share okay. that I saved on purpose All right. for our loyal members in the overtime. And we learned something from the French about lightning in the 1700s, and it's riveting. Mm. Mm. So if you want to get that riveting bit of French information, follow us over to overtime. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash unashamed is where you go to get our overtime segment. So we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.